This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
we are waiting for Christmas Day, and it's almost here. We can look at any calendar and know that it's coming. Simeon also knew the day was coming, the day of Christ, but he couldn't look at a calendar and count the days. It was the Holy Spirit who whispered to him this secret. Sometime before he died, he would see the Messiah. We don't know how long he cherished that secret, and we don't know how long he waited for that fulfillment. But in Luke chapter 2, right after the story of the shepherds, we meet Simeon in the account of Mary and Joseph bringing baby Jesus to the temple for the ritual presentation of a firstborn son to the Lord. Simeon is not described as a priest or a religious leader. He was apparently just a regular guy who lived in Jerusalem, a regular guy who honored God with his heart and with his life. The Bible says that when he felt the Spirit leading him to go to the temple, he obeyed. So as he got dressed and put on his sandals to go to the Lord's house that day, did he know that today would be that day that God promised him the day he would see God. Probably for years, Simeon had been waiting for things to get better, waiting for God to fulfill his promises. And we are like Simeon. We also are waiting for things to get better. We also are waiting for God to fulfill his promises. And we also look for joy and peace and fulfillment and seem only to see things getting worse. But we also cherish an open secret of hope. We've been promised that someday we will see all things made new and every tear wiped away. We've been promised that we will see God making his dwelling with mankind forever. But, just like Simeon, we cannot look at a calendar and count down the days. As we wait... Let us follow Simeon's example. Let us rejoice that Jesus came to save us. Let us honor God with our hearts and lives as we hold on to the hope of God's promises. Let us obey as the Spirit of God leads us. The seeds of our rejoicing have already been planted. We cannot count the exact number of days left to wait, but someday, and glorious day, what shouldn't surprise us will surprise us. And delight us. And, like Simeon, we will rejoice. As Mary and Joseph carried the Son of God into the temple, Simeon recognized him. What joy! He took Jesus in his arms and he praised God, saying these things Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light revelation to the Genesis, to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, we look back at the promises you've already fulfilled. Thank you for taking on flesh and walking the path of humanity and suffering for our salvation. And we are looking forward to the fulfillment of your promises yet to come. We are waiting. May we wait faithfully. May your spirit move among us to recognize you. Fill us with the joy of your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. So today, uh, we get to hear 
from our pastor on the screen. If you have uh, any at any point through this process, if you've had to stay home and watch online, uh, you're going to see exactly what you'd normally see on Sunday morning by staying home and watching online. Uh, pastor Joe, uh, his wife Faith went to Michigan to care for her parents who were sick, and then they tested positive while she was there, and so Joe and Faith are quarantined for this week. Um, but we get to hear his message. He came in on Friday morning and recorded this, and uh, so it'll look just like it would if you were watching online at home. Those of you uh, who are watching at home, um, you, you won't notice anything different. And then at the end, we get to have a time of communion together. So uh, guys, go ahead, and let's hear from Pastor Joe. Good morning, everyone. I'm sorry I couldn't join you on this last Sunday before Christmas, but I'm glad you're here in the building, or at least listening online or on the radio. I pray that despite everything going on, that this will be a very special and Merry Christmas for you. Today I want to read the Christmas story. I'm afraid that in the midst of all of the business and the busyness of our world, it's possible for us to get through the entire Christmas season and never even hear the story of Jesus' birth. We can drive by all of the nativity scenes in the yards. We can hear all of the Christmas songs and carols being played in stores. We can watch Christmas movies. We can even come to church. But many times the Christmas narrative is completely left out of the season. So today in a few moments, we will go to the book of Luke and hear this beautiful account. But before we do that, let me set up the Christmas story with some insight that hopefully will make this Christmas story more meaningful. Many of you know that we have four accounts of Jesus' life. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. To those writers, uh, Matthew and Luke give us the birth narrative. They tell us about Jesus being born and the shepherds and the wise men, the manger, the cattle lowing, or whatever that means. You find that in Matthew and Luke. But Mark and John don't mention the birth narrative. Mark writes the shortest gospel, and he's one of those people that is right to the point. He launches the book, and it's almost like he says, forget Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and all that, because in the very second verse of his book, he's already talking about John the Baptist. I mean, he's off to the races, and, and he's very intrigued with the miracles of Jesus, because... Uh, again, even though he writes the shortest gospel, yet he mentions the most miracles. That, that, that really piques his interest. But he doesn't give the story of the birth of Jesus. Now, John, the, the fourth gospel writer, doesn't give the birth narrative either. Rather, he tells us the why behind the what. He doesn't tell us what happened, but he tells us why it happened. He gives us some incredible insight as to why Jesus came. And so before I read the what, before I read the details of Christ's birth from the book of Luke, I want to read the why from John's gospel. Why was Jesus born? And I will keep my remarks fairly brief so as to give plenty of time for Pastor Jim to lead you in communion after our study of the word. Now, when John wrote his gospel, he was a fairly old man. He had lost friends who had been martyred for their faith. 
But not only had he lost friends, and in some ways it's almost like he had lost his entire culture. Because John lived through the horrendous time in history when the Roman Emperor Nero sent General Vespasian into Galilee. And Vespasian began to systematically chew up and spit out all of those Jewish towns and cities in that region. And he slaughtered thousands upon thousands of Jewish people while sending, some say, up to two to 300,000 people into the slave markets of Rome. John experienced all of that. And then at the end of that Jewish war in 70 AD, John was either there or at least heard the story about the temple being burned to the ground. They say that over a million Jews were slaughtered. It was a horrible time. John lived through all of that. In fact, by the time he had written his gospel, his friend Peter and his friend Paul had been executed by Nero. But anyway, as John begins his book, he he decides not to focus on the birth narrative, which to me is fascinating. Because if you remember when Jesus was crucified, as, as Jesus was dying, he said to one of his disciples, I want you to take Mary. I want you to take my mother under your wing and care for her. Do you remember who Jesus directed that to? John, the apostle John. And, and tradition has it that John did that. It, it's believed that John took Mary to Ephesus and cared for her until she died. And undoubtedly during those Years that John cared for Jesus' mother, he probably heard over and over and over the the story of of Jesus' birth. John had years of opportunity to say, Mary, I want to write this down. I want to make sure I get all of the details. You know, what were your emotions when the angel appeared to you? And what was it like when you discovered that you were pregnant and you knew in your heart you were morally pure? Mary, what was it like to know that you were carrying the, the Son of God in your womb? No doubt John had heard the birth narrative as much or more than anyone else. Yet, when he begins his gospel, he doesn't begin with Mary carrying Jesus in the womb. He doesn't begin with the manger or the the shepherds or the angels or with Herod, the slaughter of children. Rather, after a few introductory verses where John establishes the fact that God was the creator of everything, he gets to the why. Why Jesus came to the earth. And the why is so powerful. Let me read this to you, and this will prepare us for the reading of the story of Jesus' birth. In John chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him... and Let me just stop because we're about to get to the reason why Jesus came as a babe in a manger. And and to explain this, John does something so amazing. And it may sound kind of geeky, but it's as if John says, I've got to make sure that they get this next phrase. And, And so here's what John does. He takes two Greek words that had never been combined before, and he creates a new phrase. You know, we do that in, in, in our culture all the time. We invent new words. We invent new phrases. Um, for example, this pandemic has brought about a bunch of new words, a bunch of new phrases that would have meant absolutely nothing a, a year ago. You know, for example, if I say, well, so-and-so has the Rona, uh, most of you know what I'm talking about, but, but a year ago, if we just said the Rona, 
we'd have said, huh? Or even so-and-so has COVID, we would say, huh? Other new phrases that have come to the forefront are phrases such as self-quarantine. We've come to know all about essential workers. We know all about flatten the curve. And then another new term is quarantines. Not quarantine, but quarantines, online teams created during quarantine. And then you might not have heard this one as much, but uh, this one was in the news on Wednesday. This is a word directed at those who supposedly ignore public health advice, and probably they would call most of us in Cedar County this, but the new term for, for those mavericks who ignore public health directives is the term COVIDiot. COVIDiot. You know, some of the words or phrases non-related to the pandemic that haven't been around too long are, are photobomb, troll. Used to be troll, you know, those, those little creatures living under the bridge. Trip, trap, trip, trap. Remember that fairy tale? And then emoji, um, throw shade. All of those are relatively new words or phrases, but have become an accepted part of our vocabulary. And and what's interesting, just on a side note, after using those phrases for, for a few years, many times people will associate those phrases with a, a period of time and they will say, oh, that word is so 80s. That's so 90s. Uh, you know, for example, some of you would remember the term swell. You know, that is so swell. Well, that, that came from the 30s. That was so 30s. But all of that to say that John basically invented a new phrase that hadn't been used before. He takes two Greek words that according to all of Greek literature up to this point had never been put together. He takes the Greek word for faith, and it's kind of a funny word. Some of you are going to giggle here, but the Greek word for faith is pistuo. And I thought about having you repeat that word after me, but some of you would have way too much fun with that. But, but, but the Greek word pistuo literally means to believe. And, and then John takes a little connector preposition that means in, and he puts them together. And again, this had never been done before in any Greek literature. So let's finish the verse now. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in, that's the new phrase, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this phrase believed in is is not referring to those who just believe in a God. But it carries the meaning of not just believe, but receive. John wants you to know the why of the Christmas story of Jesus coming to earth as a baby. And, and, and it was so that we would not just believe in a God, but would personally receive this God. And right near the end of his book, John reinforces this. He says in John 20, 29, he says, Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Verse 30, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of disciples, of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. And then he, he tells us why he wrote the book of John. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
John had such a passion for us to know that we can have a personal relationship with a God because this is what brings true life. And so perhaps since uh, John wrote his gospel account last out of the four gospel writers, he, he possibly knew that the other gospel writers had already given the birth narrative, they had given the what, and so maybe that's why John said, okay, Matthew and Luke, you know, they gave the what, I want to give the why behind the what. And so, yes, in, in John 3, 16, uh, you know, he wrote that God so loved the entire world and he died for the sins of the entire world. But John wanted us to know that Jesus is a personal God and he loves us personally and he died for your personal sins. He died for my personal sins. And that's where we get the idea of a personal savior. We talk about that a lot. Jesus wants a personal relationship with us. You know, Jesus didn't come simply to heal people. He didn't come to make a big splash and make a name for himself. Jesus came into this world as a baby at Christmas time. Why? To be a savior, a personal one-on-one -on -one savior. And so I think the, uh, the question for us this Christmas, to use that little phrase John crafted, is not just do you believe? You know, of course you believe, at least to a certain extent. But in your belief, have you trusted in and received Jesus as your personal Savior? Have you allowed this personal Savior to forgive and cleanse your sins? Because as much as we may think that our main problem in this world is the pandemic, it's not. As much as we may think that the main problem in this world is Washington, D.C. and the sketchy politicians there, they're a problem, but that's not our main problem. As much as we may think that our problem is our neighbor or our prickly relative or the jerks at work, they're not the main problems in our world. The main problem in the world is sin, your sin. My sin, our sin. And that's why God sent Jesus to earth as a baby, to give the solution to the sin problem that we all have. And so maybe John would say, don't kid yourself. I, I know the details of the Christmas narrative. I, I took care of Mary until she died. And, and maybe he would have added respectfully, and you know Mary in her old age, just like a lot of us, the, the older we get, the more we repeat ourselves. And so perhaps John would have said, you know, I, I've heard the birth narrative over and over and over. But I think he would say, Matthew and Luke already gave those details. Yes, there is the what. The what is very beautiful. Jesus came as a baby. There was a star. There were shepherds. There were wise men. There was a manger. Those are the what. But the why is that Jesus came to save us from our sins. So now that you know the why behind the what, I think we're finally ready to read the Christmas story. We're going to turn down the lights and focus on this beautiful story of our Savior's birth from Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Beautiful story. Just still your hearts and listen.
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And and as you can imagine, they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and and the baby who, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and, and all who heard it. They were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so Jesus was born. But I would note that even though he was born with the face of a man, He had the image of the Creator. And at His touch, blind beggars saw. At His command, crippled legs walked. At His embrace, empty lives were filled with purpose. He fed thousands with one basket. He stilled a storm with one command. He raised the dead with one proclamation. He changed lives with one request. He rerouted the history of the world with one life and lived in one country, was born in one manger, and died on one hill. The idea that a virgin would be selected by God to bear himself, the notion that God would don a scalp and and toes and two eyes, the, the thought that the king of the universe would sneeze and cough and maybe even burp and get bit by mosquitoes, it's too incredible. We would never create such a Savior. If we would create a Redeemer, 
we would keep him safely quarantined in his faraway castle. We would ask him to mask up and only allow him the briefest of encounters with us. We, we wouldn't ask him to take up residence in the midst of a contaminated, pandemic-filled world. In our wildest imaginings, we wouldn't shape a king who becomes one of us. But God did. He became a man so we could trust him. He became a sacrifice so we could know him. And he defeated death so we could live forever. Only a God, a creator beyond the fence of logic, could offer such a gift of hope. So when it comes to gifts and goodies, knock yourself out. You can go on a journey to the North Pole if you want. But when it comes to eternity and forgiveness, purpose, and truth, why don't you instead take a little journey to the manger, kneel with the shepherds, worship with the wise men, shoo aside the animals so you can get close to the baby, be reminded that Jesus took on human flesh. But then continue your journey and, and go to the cross. See the crown of thorns. Imagine the cries of pain. Look at the blood-stained beams. Try to hear the words, it is finished. Be reminded he took on your sin and mine. And then finish your little journey by going to the tomb. Look at the stone that was rolled away and then let your eyes adjust to the darkness and look inside the tomb. You will notice something. It's empty. Amen. That's right. It's empty. It's empty. Do you know why? Because he is risen. Yes. He's not there. Jesus is risen from the dead. And that right there gives us the full circle of redemption. Jesus came as a baby, took on human flesh, carried our sins to the cross, died a cruel death. But on the third day came bursting out of the grave victorious, completing the plan of salvation that was offered to us. If you've not accepted that plan of salvation, if you've not believed in him as John wanted you to, why don't you do so today? As we pray and prepare our hearts for communion, would you simply come to Jesus and ask him to be your personal savior and to forgive you of your sins? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what an incredible plan. We would have never thought of it in a million, a billion years. But it's what we needed. We needed someone to take on human flesh that, that we could trust. But we needed someone that could rise from the dead that, Lord, could give us hope of eternity. And God, for all of those that are watching right now, if there's anyone that maybe doesn't know you, hasn't as... John explained the why, you know, 
You came so that we could believe and receive you. Lord, if someone hasn't done that, I pray that they would do that. Or if maybe they've strayed away through the events of the year, if they have strayed away from from God, I pray that they would come back and receive forgiveness, have a new start in life. Lord, I pray that during this uh, during this season that, God, there would just be a, a sense of knowing you as never before. Be, Lord, during a difficult year, the pandemic, I pray that, God, this Christmas, we, we would, yes, the what would just speak to us, the, the details of the birth and the star, the shepherds, the wise men, the manger, the what, but... Father, don't let us miss the why. You came to save us from our sins. I pray that that would be so real to us. And Lord, as we continue just worshiping you today through partaking of the elements of communion, God, I ask that you would just be so real to us. Thank you for the what. Thank you for the why. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, as we move into our time of communion together, let's uh, listen to the scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. One of the gifts brought by the wise men to the baby Jesus was a gift of myrrh. Myrrh was used as an embalming ointment for funerals at the time. So even at Jesus' birth, the gift of myrrh pointed ahead to the cross where he would pay the death penalty that my sins, your sins, deserved. So let's take a moment and thank God for his incredible gift of love to us in sending his son to die for our sins. Let's ask God to show us if there are things in us that don't bring honor to him. And if your self-examination has revealed things in your life that need to be changed, Just take a moment to confess those to God freely and openly and ask Him to cleanse you. And then, whenever you're ready, move on to receive the bread and the cup, which today is in this package. And um, those of you who have done this before know, but there's a little tiny piece of uh, sort of purple on top that you peel back and you get the bread out, and then you peel the rest back and the juice is underneath. I explained that very plainly because the first time I tried this, I could not figure out the bread part, just to be perfectly honest with you. Um, So uh, just, and whenever you're ready, after you take a moment, just with God, go ahead and come, get the bread and the juice and receive these. And remember that this bread represents Jesus' body broken for you. And this juice represents Jesus' blood shed for you. When we eat this bread and drink this juice, we're proclaiming Jesus' death. We're doing this in remembrance of him and remembrance of his sacrifice for us. So let's move on into this time of communion together. Just take a moment and whenever you're ready, come forward and receive this together.
You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.